Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. All the way from Portadown, um, and uh, there's a few Portadown people in the house, is there? Uh, which is great. So I'm going to talk to you tonight. Um, our theme is the practice, and I want to talk about praying uh, the scriptures. All right, William, can I pray for you? God, I thank you for William. I pray you bless him and be with him tonight. Your presence rest on him in Jesus' name. Mm-hmm. Amen. All right. Yeah, where you go. <laughs> it's good to get all, uh, all your official welcomes now that I've been officially welcomed by William, uh, which is fantastic. So, um, has anybody got one of these? I don't know if you've seen these, they're quite new out. It's called a Bible. Anybody got like a hard copy? Um, and if you do, and if you don't, you can use your phones. You'll probably regret it by the end of the night, but um, you can use your phones for now. And I want to read from Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. And I have it on the screen as well. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, it would be remiss of me to not say, when you see a therefore, you have to ask what's there for, even though I don't think Phil's here, is he? Um, Oh, well. And it is there for a reason, but actually in this case... Uh, it tells you, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. So in the context of God's mercy and all that God has done for us and, and what we've been saved from, a rescue to, brought into a family, if you want to go and read the first 11 chapters of Romans, you'll get an idea of what that is. In view of all of that, it is our natural response, or so it should be, that we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, that this would be our proper act of worship that we would no longer conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. And so we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, but what we've got to realize is that our bodies are controlled by our minds. Um, And so if we're not going to conform any longer to the pattern of this world, transformation has to happen in our minds so that we can test and approve what God's will is, and it's good, it's pleasing, and it is perfect. And so the word to conform, which I want us to think about for a moment, is to fit into a mold, to fit into the shape of things, and to follow in other people's footsteps. And what I would say to you is, if we are not being transformed by God, we're going to conform to the world and the people and the things around us, and we'll be a little bit like this. Um, Back in the old days, this was a computer game, it's called Lemmings. Anybody ever played Lemmings? Yeah, somebody played it on just retro games. But the whole idea is this, that there are lemmings, and do you know the way lemmings are famous for, for diving off cliffs? Um, basically, the lemmings all follow each other, and if you don't actually get them to where they need to go, they'll all just jump off the cliff. And this, to me, 
is kind of a picture of what I think happens very often in, in our world and in our lives, is that we conform to the pattern, to the way that things are, and we tend to follow. And we just follow what other people are doing. And sometimes we do that in church. Everybody does their Christian thing. I'm going to do my Christian thing. And so we, we conform to the pattern of, of church attendance and wearing the right thing and saying the right thing, but we don't really get transformed. I think as well we live in a world where we're conforming. Because if we're not being transformed by God, who's pastoring us? Who's leading us? Who are we following if we're not following Jesus? Very often, we're just following the crowd. We're following whatever happens to come along. And one of the greatest things that um, we have to battle against in our modern life is technology. And let me give you a bit of context on technology. I got my first mobile phone uh, in 1995. Some of you weren't even born. A lot of you probably weren't even born. And it was, uh, it was so cool that the only other people who had them were Mulder and Scully in X Factor, in the original X Factor. It's a Motorola flip phone 2, okay? And uh, in 1996, I wrote my dissertation on end-user computing, what tech, computer technology was doing and changing the workplace. But since that, technology hasn't changed our entire society. It has changed our culture. And so much of our lives are driven by technology. And I think it's one of the biggest obstacles that we face in the church. I have a little quotation uh, for you. And it was actually written in 2010, um, and hence why the guy uses the word net, because we don't even use that word anymore, such as technology has advanced. But it says, what the net seems to be doing is chipping away my capacity for concentration and contemplation. Whether I'm online or not, my mind now expects to take in information the way the net distributes it in a swiftly moving stream of particles. Once I was a scuba diver in the sea of words, now I zip along the surface like a guy on a jet ski. And, and this is profound that we get this and understand this, that we live in, in, in the world. I remember in about 2006 hearing the words hyperconnectivity for the first time. And uh, I went to a presentation by one of the, the leading kind of techni- technology guys, the chief technical officer of Nortel Networks worldwide. He was speaking at Belfast at Titanic Quarter. And he used this term, hyper-connectivity, and he said, we're going to be living in a world in the next few years where everyone's going to be connected to everyone, and everything's going to be connected, and information is all going to be available on our phones. We're going to know everything instantly. We're going to know where people are, what people are doing, all this kind of stuff. And I remember thinking, wow, it's interesting that we're thinking about what we can do, but nobody has ever asked, should we do it? What are the consequences of it on people's lives and how we interact. And um, so much research has been done, I don't have time to talk about it all tonight, that shows that people are psychologically damaged by their use of technology. In fact, that we are becoming stupid because of technology. We've never had more information than than we've ever had in, in any time in history. But actually, again and again, the researchers show the technology and the amount of information that we're being hit with, we cannot cope with. And so we end up like that quotation, just skirting along the edges and and riding the information wave of whatever happens to come our way. And so more recently, we have things like fake news. We have a lot of information that's out there. My wife very often says to me, did you hear this? And she tells me something. And I just say, did you read that on Facebook? 
because it doesn't sound true to me. And then I go and I look, it's not true. Not all the time. But I, have you ever wondered how often you pick up your phone every day? You know, we pick up our phone actually hundreds of times, and each time it distracts us. Each time it distracts us from a thought process. Each time it distracts us from, from God speaking to our lives, although God can speak to you through your mobile phone. But what I want to ask us is, what is pastoring us? Who is pastoring us? How are we being led? What is the voice that we are listening to? Are we conforming to the pattern of this world? Are we being transformed by the renewing of our minds? And uh, so I want to just challenge you. For some of you, this, is, this will be your practice for tonight. There is an application called Moment. There are lots of other ones out there too. Uh, Realize with a capital D and spelt with a Z is also one of them. But they actually track what our mobile phone usage is. They'll tell you um, how much you use your mobile phone during the day, what applications you use during the day. And maybe actually if we were to take that application or another one, put it on our phone, have it on there for a week and look at it, maybe we get an idea of just what we're filling our minds with. Are we conforming to the pattern of this world? Are we actually taking on all the information of this world? Are we being transformed by the renewing of our minds? How can we find space and time to renew our minds in the things of God if we don't have any time because it's already being allocated and taken up by a constant stream of information? Most of it isn't particularly good quality. So, um, if we're going to be transformed, uh, I love this slide, it's one of my favorites, uh, and I love this word metamorphosis, which uh, is where the Greek word for transformation, you know, conform any longer to the pattern of this word, but be transformed, be metamorphosized, and what happens is that uh, this caterpillar goes from, from being something that moves very slowly along the ground um, and, and eats leaves to, to actually um, changing completely and becoming a butterfly and can fly. So it's completely different. Metamorphosis happens in lots of things in life and, and lots of areas of nature. In fact, we as human beings are metamorphosized. We go, and f go from living in a womb, being fed oxygen and food through our belly buttons to actually going and breathing air and being fed through our mouths and digesting food. It's, it's a form of metamorphosis. So we're called to be completely transformed. But the transformation of us as human beings happens in our minds. How does it happen? How can we test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will? We have to go to Scripture. We have to go to God's Word. We have to choose to value Scripture at a level where we say, this is what I want. You know, the Bible says about the Word of God being our daily bread, that we would feed on that, that it would feed us and change us and transform us. Um, and you see, our battle isn't against flesh and blood. We are in a battle, and Satan doesn't want us to be transformed. He wants us to conform. He wants us to conform to the pattern of this world. That is his plan. That's why we need to be transformed. And uh, so we have these words, the renewing of your mind, and we have test and approve. And, and I want us to think about what it means to test and approve. And for me, I have this picture really of scales, of the weighing of things. How can we test and approve what God's will is? And if you're going to sort of take on a legal case, and if somebody is going, if you're going to work out whether somebody has committed a crime or not, and what the penalty for that crime is, the only way to do that is to test and approve, to weigh all the factors. And what legal people do 
is they look at the information that they have at hand. They look at what has happened before, and we call that, in the legal system, we call that precedence. And so we'll hear, well, in this particular case of whatever it happens to be, and the year it happens to be, the decision was made here, and legal precedents are very important. And so we take uh, the history, and we take the legal precedents, and we test and approve in, in, a, in a court of law to work out the right decision to make. And in a similar way, we're called to test and approve what God's will is. How are we going to figure it out? But what has God done in the past? I can read that through Scripture. I know that through people's life's experiences. What is he saying to me? What is he saying in his word? How do I know what way to go? I need to go to this, to the word of God. I need to test and approve and figure out who, who is God? What has he done? How am I changed and transformed by that? What is he calling me to do so that I can figure out the direction that I want to go? And all of us in life are asking that question, who am I? Where do I fit in this world? And what way do I have to go? What is my future? What is my purpose on this earth? If you ever want to talk to somebody about Jesus who doesn't know him, that's a great place to start. Who are you? Why are you on this earth? Every single person out there is asking those two questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Who am I? Why am I here? It's really, really simple. When people can't find the answers to those questions, they will fill their lives with so much stuff to avoid having to think about that. They will seek approval and satisfaction in, in people and things all of the time until they get to the point where they feel like they might possibly be satisfied. But as Blaise Pascal said, there is this void, this empty place inside of us that no matter how much stuff we put in it, we still have this ache, this yearning inside for more. So we can test and approve. But we're in a battle, uh, and it says this in Ephesians 6, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are in a battle. We are in a battle. And the enemy wants us to conform. God wants us to be transformed. And God wants to bring his truth into our lives. Uh, and Jesus talked about this, and he said to the Jews at the time, and this is from John 8, he said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so freedom in our lives, freedom to follow God, freedom to, to live in the right way comes from the revelation of the truth. Jesus said about himself that he was the way, the truth, and the life. And the problem that we have in our society is that truth has become a relative thing. We live in the middle of what people call the culture wars, uh, and it's this place and time in our lives where what is said in culture and what exists as the norm in culture becomes reality, and, and what's good and what's right is not determined by truth as we would see it in God's word, but by what society happens to decide overall is the right thing to do or the right way to be. And so we have to anchor ourselves in God's word. We have to reach out and, and find something which is really strong and hold on to that. And we have to believe that truth is, is truth and that truth has a weight and a value to it. Um, 
Paul, when he was writing to the church in Ephesus, uh, when he was talking about the fivefold ministry and how we're called to maturity, he says this in Ephesians 4, that, that when we come to maturity in God's truth, we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we'll grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So when we come to maturity, we're no longer going to be infants. We're no longer going to be tossed to and fro by the waves, blown about by every kind of teaching or what people say or what people think. That actually, instead, instead of being pulled about by everything in our society, we're going to speak the truth in love, the truth is going to be the thing that we hold on to, that we're anchored to. And in fact, there's another word kind of talks about anchoring, um, which you can see in this little picture here. It's actually called tethering. So these boats are not only anchored to um, the seabed, they're tethered to each other. And if you want to hold something in place really steady, you have to have a number of points of connection. And so we have this word um, tethering, and I think it's a very good word to think about the, the context of Scripture and how it speaks to us, that we might tether ourselves, that we would connect ourselves in multiple different ways to the truth, and that we would find in that that we are, it doesn't matter what kind of storms life throws at it, that we're secure in ourselves, and we can think clearly, that we can be attached to God, and no matter what's going on, we're at peace. I always love the picture of Jesus in, in the boat. You know when the storm is there, and the disciples are trying to get through the storm, and it says that Jesus is asleep in the boat, and I always kind of think that maybe he wasn't quite asleep, that he was, had like one eye open, because he was watching the disciples who were frantically trying to, to save themselves, and they're expert fishermen. And, and it says that basically when they thought they were going to die, they then went, oh, do you know what? Maybe Jesus in the boat can actually help us. And previous to that, they'd see them feed the 5,000, but didn't seem to catch on that maybe he had some power available that could possibly help out in the whole fishing um, situation. But we're like that in life, you know, we try to do our own thing and follow our own way and then we kind of get desperate and we think, maybe, maybe God has something to say about this, you know. If all else fails, pray and read your Bible. It's kind of how we, we tend to live. We've got to realize we need to start with truth. The truth is going to set us free. The truth is going to tether us to God and to that reality, to heaven's reality. And from heaven's reality, we'll know how to live on earth. And um, what I'd like us to do is, I've probably got my slides out of order, but we'll see. No, I don't. That's good. Surprising myself. Um, do you have this little piece of paper? It's a smaller one. It's an A5. Do we have those? No? They're going to be passed out in a wee minute. But um, let me just give you a bit of context. When I was um, 15 or 16, I was in church. I used to go to CFC up in Belfast. That's where my family still attend. And we, we were taught about the armor of God. And we were taught that we're in a spiritual battle and that Scripture has something to say about how we can live every day. And this is uh, called a daily confession of faith. Uh, and this is going to be our first practice, and we're going to, to do two of them. Um, and, and it's it's something that I put into practice. As a 16-year-old, I got one of these, and I stuck it up on my wall, and I read it every day, and I prayed it over my life until I had memorized it. And 
It's a confession for overcomers, but my confession is this, that sometimes they do this for like a period of two years, just nonstop every day, and then they just stop doing it for some reason, and a couple of months later I think, I'm really struggling here. And I realized, well, I've forgotten. I've forgotten to renew my mind in God's truth every day, that I'm not being transformed by truth. I'm actually conforming to the world and the patterns of this world, and I need to start by renewing my mind again. So what I love uh, to do, so if you have the sheet, we're going to just do the first part of it, uh, not the armor of God. We're going to do the confession for overcomers. It's on the screen as well. But I'd love for us to say this together. I'll read it out once, first of all, and then we'll read it out together. And it says, my body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. I am redeemed, cleansed, and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. The members, the parts of my body are instruments of righteousness, yielded to God for his service and for his glory. The devil has no place in me, no power over me, and no will settle claims against me. All has been settled by the blood of Jesus. I overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony, and I love not life unto the death. My body is for the Lord. The Lord is for my body. Imagine saying that every morning. My body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. I'm redeemed, cleansed, and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. My members of parts of my body are instruments of righteousness yielded to God for servicing for his glory. The devil has no place in me, no power of me, no setting claims against me. All has been settled by the blood of Jesus. That's the truth that we get to declare over us. That's where transformation happens in our minds as we pray again and again as we read scripture. So are we ready? I'm going to say this together. So... Um, one, two, three, and all that. <laughs> My body is a temple for the Holy Spirit. I am redeemed, cleansed, and sanctified by the blood of Jesus. My members, the parts of my body, are instruments of righteousness, yielded to God for service and for his glory. The devil has no place in me, no power over me, and no unsettled claims against me. All has been settled by the blood of Jesus. I overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of my testimony. And I love not life unto the death. My body is for the Lord and the Lord is for my body. And the next bit, um, which we'll not do uh, specifically tonight, but I'd love you to think about doing this every day. It's the armor of God. Uh, and what we say in that is, imagine actually praying on the armor of God so we know it. But imagine, um, and it's easier to do this when nobody else is watching, but imagine getting up every morning and getting dressed with the armor of God, not just your clothes. Imagine actually saying, I put the belt of truth buckle around my waist today, and I say, Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life for me today. I put on the breastplate of righteousness, and I say, Jesus, you became sin for me, that I may be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are my righteousness. I put on my feet the shoes of preparation of the gospel of peace, and I say, Jesus, you are my preparation and my readiness. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I take the shield of faith, which distinguishes all, all the flaming hours of the evil one, and I say, Jesus, the life that I now live, I live in faith in you who love me and gave yourself for me. I'm just making sure that I've memorized this, right? So, are you covered? Uh, okay, and then uh, I put on the helmet of salvation. I say, Jesus, you are the author of eternal salvation for all who obey you. You cover my head in the day of battle, and I take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and I say, um, 
You, the word, was made flesh and dwelt among us. You're my living word. Your word is truth. So every day, we actually gird ourselves. We cover ourselves completely in Scripture. We speak truth over ourselves. We speak truth over our minds. We say, we're putting on the helmet of salvation. We're saying we're saved. We're redeemed. We're being transformed by God. We take a captive every thought and make it obedient unto Christ. And then this goes on. It gives you the opportunity to pray a hedge of protection around your family and loved ones, according to Psalm 91, verses 2 and 3. And, um, and then Psalm 91 goes on to tell us three reasons why we should claim God's protection. We have made God our dwelling place because he has set his love on us and he knows and understands our name. And so I would love for you to think about, or maybe just to test, don't test me, test scripture. What if you get up every morning, stuck that on your wall or on your mirror? I don't say, does anybody look in the mirror? Like just, you know, it's not confession time here, but every morning, just to check your hair, if you have some, I don't have very much, I'm always checking to see if there's any left. But if you stuck that on your mirror, and you started to say that and speak it over your life, I guarantee you, not because it's a magic formula, but because it's the truth of God and the truth sets us free, I guarantee you that your life will change and you will notice. Because after you've done it for two weeks, try not doing it for a couple of days and see what happens. In fact, don't bother. Um, so God's word um, speaks to us. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And God's truth comes and it sets us free. It transforms us. Because we don't wage war the way that the world does. Sure we don't. It says that in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. So we demolish strongholds and everything that sets itself up against the what? The knowledge of God, the truth of of God, and we can only do that if we know the truth of God and if it's something that's in our lives on a regular basis. And so our second practice that I want us to look at tonight is, um, is this sheet here, praying scripture. There's two sides. And um, I've kind of just put this together and I did a little line and the line divides each section, but I was thinking that you could use that line to write your own scripture into each of these categories. So the first category is this, worshipful scriptures that remind us of who God is. Reminding yourself of who God is is so important. Sometimes we forget the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that created the universe, loves us and is for us. That's quite important in your daily life. And so we have three scriptures here. There are many of them, but this is just an example. What if we could actually start to memorize scriptures? And so my challenge again to you is, in all of these categories, what if we could actually just take one or two and start to memorize them? Again, when I was about 16 or 17, I found the wonder of these post-it notes. Back in the day, in my day, they were only in one color. That was yellow. And, uh, but I had post-it notes all over my room because every time I found a scripture that was really good, 
in the Bible, and I thought, I want to just think about that, to contemplate that, to get that into my head, to pray that, to pray that through. I would take that scripture, I'd write it on a post-it note, and stick it somewhere in my room. I'm now married, and uh, my wife won't let me do that, because it just messes up with the, the decor. Um, so have, you have to find other ways. But, so these scriptures, these first three, are remind us of who God is, his identity, and his character. So this is, if you like, um, if you go back to our little picture of the tethering, this is one of the things that we want to tether our lives on, who God is. I'm going to tether my life on who he is. And he's holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Heaven and earth are filled with your glory. What if we just actually were able to say that again and again? Holy, holy, holy. If the angels in heaven are singing that constantly and saying that constantly, then maybe we need to be saying that a few times to remind ourselves of who God is. And and so the next one is scriptures that remind us of what God has done, his work of restoration, his work of redemption. Romans 5, verses 6 to 8, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Would that not be a great scripture to memorize and to pray over and to contemplate just at the right time? You know, very rarely would somebody actually die for someone else, but, but Christ died for me. He died for me. That's what he's done. He's rescued me. The third section is scriptures that remind us of who we are. I need this for myself, but when I'm praying for other people, I realize again and again just how little we live in our God-given identity, and yet the Bible presents it to us again and again. Uh, one of my favorites is, is Romans 8, verses 14 to 17. So it says, For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves to fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship, and by Him we, we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we can start to pray that, and we can start to think that, Lord. Can you just move in my life and help me? Bring me to the point where I can call you Abba, where I can call you Daddy. Let me know that I am a child of God. God, if there's anything in me that's blocking me receiving that fully, would you come and you speak to me about that? And so we take a scripture like that and we memorize that and we speak it over ourselves and we remind ourselves of who we are in God. And then over the, on the second page there, you've got scriptures that teach us what we should do. And so one of them is the scripture that we just covered. Uh, And um, the second one there is from Romans as well. And it's just speaking of, of, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as instruments of righteousness. And so we pray, God, I've been brought from death to life. Death to life. The, the life that I did live where I conformed to the pattern of this world, it's death, but you have brought me to life. I want to be transformed. I want to live in that new life. And so we take these scriptures and we memorize them. We, we, we ingest them. And, and Dave talked last, last week about the cow with the multiple stomachs and regurgitation. That was a pleasant metaphor. Dave, but it's very true that we have to regurgitate and think about these scriptures and allow them to change and transform us. 
And the last category is this. Scriptures that remind us how we should live. So I'll pick the third one there, which is Philippians 4, 6 to 8. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. So I'm sure that through our technology, through our smartphones and all that, we can find things which are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable. But we can find so much more in here that we can actually take this book and see it as a bread of life and, and contemplate it. And I know, I know that you can, and I do it myself, I have stuff on my phone, I have Bible readings and I have daily readings and I have inspirational scriptures and all that sort of thing. Technology in itself is not wrong or, or, or damaging, but the way that we use it is, the way that our kids are being brought up, I have three children at home, the way they're being brought up, it is it is damaging us. And we're going to, you see, what happened with, with technology is that it actually grew and expanded exponentially, and we never had time as a society to ask ourselves questions like, is this good? Is this good? We didn't have time to assess uh, what was true and good about society as it was before technology came along, and it came along at such a pace that we weren't able to ask those questions. And so what we live in in, in the world now where the assumption is that, that all day, every day, I'm going to do this. And when you're in a conversation with somebody and their phone beeps, what happens is that they just, whatever conversation you happen to have gets, you know, you know, what was it? Probably wasn't important, but what you're saying to the person that you're talking to is it might be important, it might be more important than the conversation we're having right now, but it's not just Facebook notification. Um, but we, we, we have this God's word, the actual words of God given to us. And so what I would like to just challenge us with as, as we are finishing, as we think about the, those verses from, from Romans 12, do you not conform any longer? How are we conforming? Who is educating us? Who is teaching us? Where are we getting our normal every day, every moment information from? Or are we conforming to the pattern of this world and we don't even realize it? Because that's what happens. We just follow the crowd. We're like the lemmings that fall off the cliff. Or are we being transformed? Is the living word speaking to us? Is life coming from us? Or are we actually being metamorphosized? Are we becoming something different? Because God's word has spoken to us. Now, Jesus is the living word. And so in him we see what this book lived out looks like. So we have this template if you want to live the life that Jesus lived, you have the spirit of the living God within you. So every time you open up the scriptures, you have the spirit whispering to you, well, here's what I meant when I wrote this. And here's what I meant when I wrote that. And we take that on board and we think about it and we contemplate it. And do you know that thing where every time you read this, the, the scripture, you read something and you go, I never saw that before. 
I never saw that before. Oh, my goodness. And then somebody else tells you something that they saw in that scripture, and you go, I never saw that before. I never saw that before. Because it's living. It's living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, and it cuts right to the heart. And therefore, we should memorize it. We should take it on board. It should be our default of renewal of our lives. Um, I deleted Facebook from my phone um, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and I, so occasionally I go and look at it and I have to go through a web browser to do it. But I can just tell you it's so liberating. And maybe you're not a Facebook person because there's a lot of young people here. Um, you're Instagram or something else. But if our default in the morning is to wake up, switch off our alarm, which is on our phone, and now that we have our phone in our hand, just check things just in case we missed anything overnight, then that's what you're renewing your mind in. That's what's speaking to you. That's where you're getting your truth from. So maybe we actually pick this up. These are great. These kind of, um, they're made from, they take trees and they chop them down and mush them into a pulp and they make paper and then they print on it with this kind of black stuff. Uh, and it's amazing. See, just holding this. You know what I love about this? I need to stop. Um, do you know, you always know where you're at in the story, but you never know where you're at when you're on your phone. But I know right now, if I'm in Romans, I'm, I'm like six-eighths of, of the way through. And I know God said a heck of a lot before then, so I might want to go back and find out what it is that he said. You know, we'll call that the God story. But, you know, let's, let's fall in love with Scripture. Let's let it feed our souls and feed our hearts and feed our lives. Let's let the truth of God just speak in, bring revelation to us of his goodness. Um. So listen, why don't we stand? The band just going to come up and, and lead us in a song. And I'll pray. Let's, let's pray that, that God will give us the hunger and desire that we need for him and for his word. And as we eat of his word, as we contemplate it, as we memorize it, as we take it on board, what we will find is that our hunger will develop and we will crave and we will desire his word even more. So let's pray together. Yes, God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is living. We thank you that it is active. We thank you that it speaks to us because you speak to us. We thank you that your spirit resides and lives in us and witnesses to us of your goodness. I thank you, Lord, that when we open up your word, that we're never alone. That you, Holy Spirit, just reveal truth to us. You reveal life to us. You bring truth to us. And God, I pray that we would just understand and see where we've conformed, where we're driven by technology, where we're driven by other things that we would be transformed, that that would be our heart's desire, not to look the same as we did last week or last month or last year, but to truly be transformed by you. We thank you for the wonderful transformational work of the cross and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk